Full Service Radio is proudly supported and hosted by Simplecast, the easiest way for a podcast creator to publish and distribute audio on the internet. For more information, visit Simplecast.com. Full Service Radio. Welcome to Beer Me on Full Service Radio, broadcasting live from the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. I'm your host, Sarah Jane. Every week, I will have a guest on the show to discuss different parts of the beer world. From brewers, importers, educators, this will allow us to examine the dynamic world of beer through different lenses. Whether you're new to beer or a seasoned professional, we will have something for you. Uh, So today, I'm very excited to be sitting down at um, a place that is very near and dear to my heart, Church Key, uh, with Greg Angert. He is the beer director for Neighborhood Restaurant Group and partner. <clears throat> Am I getting your title right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and um, he's basically the genius behind the way the beer is served and stored, and he cares about things like temperature and glassware <clears throat> and, and proper storage and things like that. And the reason why I'm talking to him is twofold. First, uh, neighborhood Restaurant Group just opened a new location in New York City's Lower East Side, the Grand Delancey. And second, this is my last show of the season, and I figured who better to chat with um, than Greg himself to reflect on this wonderful world of beer. So, Greg, thank you so much. Thank you. So, you just opened up Grand Delancey in the right. Lower East Side. This is inside kind of a, a, food, a food hall. Food yeah, hall. Yeah. Um, How's it going? It looks beautiful, by the way. <laughs> Thank on, you. on social media, it looks stunning. Yeah, we um, spent a lot of time designing it, <clears throat> making sure it was outfitted with exactly uh, the specifications we wanted. So it's really exactly the beer bar that I wanted to build in at the end of 2019, looking into 2020. Um, you know, I'll say it's uh, <clears throat> part of a food hall, but it's also not. Like, the, the market line is uh, this wonderful bizarre like um food hall and market in the lower east side on essex and delancey and it's subterranean um but one of the entrances into the space goes right over and through kind of our bar so you know it's something that even if you're not into food halls or like don't want to go into like the whole market thing you can kind of get in and out of our bar um uh, in a similar fashion as you would like any Barley Church here or something like that. So um, it's a really cool thing. What it allows us to do in, in the market is um, is offer food options that are just like super um, amazing and varied. There's, I think, 20, 21 vendors are purveying food now, but it'll get up to like 35 or so. Wow. And it's all across the board. So, I mean, you know, um, when you just think of food and pairing possibilities, you know, we're, we're sitting in Church Key upstairs from Birch and Barley, which uh, is currently under the, the leadership of Jared Silver's great, great chef. Um, and he and I work together on these phenomenal beer and food pairing um, dinners nightly. You know, we have for 10 years plus now offered a beer and food pairing menu in, in, in Birch and Barley, as you know. Um, uh, you know, and so that's amazing. But in some ways, it's slightly limiting because, you know, we're dealing with a certain kind of cuisine. So at Grand Delancey, having 20 plus different cuisines with which to work has created a really cool environment for 
you know, experimenting and exploring different food and beer pairing opportunities. So that was one of the, the things that drew us to doing our first venture outside of the D.C. area mm -hmm. in New York City, but also not just in New York City, but in the Market Line Food Hall. Yeah. But you're staying true to your roots as far as how your list is organized, how you have different temperatures depending mm -hmm. on the beer yep. and proper glassware and things like that. Absolutely. You're not, never would change yeah, that. Yeah, never get away Th from yeah, that. Yeah, that's always been our, the idea is like, okay, well, back in, well, like back in 2006, we opened Rustico in Alexandria, um, our first beer property. And, you know, uh, then we opened Church Key at Birch and Barley in 2009. At that time, you wouldn't open. At that time, we were still just trying to get people to to drink craft beer mm -hmm. um, and distributors to carry craft beer and brewers to brew it. You know, what I mean, like it was a very, very different time, 15, 10, 15 years ago. Um, and for that reason, you know, those are kind of like, you know, especially Church Key is a specialist bar. I mean, it's we're always building bars. We have amazing cocktail spirits and wine programs and great service, great food. But it's a beer specialist bar, you know that thing. So recently, as beer has become craft beer has become more ubiquitous, we've we've said you know, let's. Well, I'll say that it's become more ubiquitous, but it's oftentimes the service of it and the care for it has lagged behind its availability. Mm -hmm. So even though you can get, you know, a craft beer on draft at literally any bar, anywhere now, yeah. doesn't mean that it's being treated the way that craft beer should be treated. A lot of times, it's being treated the way that only beers like Bud Light should be treated. And, you know, too cold, lines aren't clean, shaker pint glasses that are um, won't hold head because they still have residual detergents in them, things like that, you know. Staff doesn't know anything. People still chill beer glasses. Chill glasses, yeah, ice cold. The staff is not trained up, et cetera, et cetera, overpricing, lack of info on the menu, you, you know what I mean? So so even though it's become more available, the, the, the hard parts, the passionate parts of treating the beer properly and and, and making sure that people enjoy it properly and that the brewers, uh, all of the passion and, and artistry that's been poured into the beer on the brewing side gets reflected on the consuming side. That hasn't kept up. I mean, look at food and beer pairing. Like, that used to be a big thing. It's not anymore, you know? And people don't really talk about food and beer pairing as much as they should. We're hoping to, to kind of bring that back. So not long ago, we started to think like, well, let's do craft beer Obviously, let's do it. Let's continue to do it our way, mm -hmm. and let's figure out ways to bring our way of doing craft beer to more people. So whether that's through doing a, a brew pub like Blue Jacket down by National Stadium, you know that could, you know, frankly, somebody could just come in and do a very basic brew pub there with none of the bells and whistles, none of the care and attention, and probably do very well. But yeah. we said, what if instead of having that experience or a Corona or something like that outside of the ballpark, you could have a Blue Jacket experience? We did that. Uh, we've thought about, oh, you know, maybe one day we'll do like airport bars. Not that that's on the plate right now, but like that would be a cool <laughs> thing. We've thought of that. And so then like food halls became an option too. So it's like, imagine you're walking through a food hall or just walking down the lower side, you know, mm -hmm. walking down Delancey Street and you want a beer. You don't just have to settle for whatever happens to be on tap or however it serves someplace. You can just go down into this, in, into this basement bar and drink like you're drinking at Church Key. So 50 drafts all temp controlled like here yeah um but to be honest the, the other thing that's crazy about this is every time we get to open a new place whether it's sovereign or owens ordinary and now great Lancy, advances have been made i've learned new things um but there's new technologies available yeah and things like that so so now you know great Lancy has five side pull lager 
taps oh, that for your you know bills. bring it up. Yeah, although you know that's a misnomer. I think people like do them slowly. We figured out a way to do them really quickly, so people don't have to wait around for them. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so um, and, and and build that really amazing cappuccino like foam that doesn't mm-hmm. dissipate on those lagers. Like we have those, and we don't even have those at Church Key yet. You know, um, uh, the the draft system is is it's even better than the one we built at Owens Ordinary because we have um, new equipment. It's obviously all stainless steel, yeah. all Gen X wine grade tubing, but now there's this beautiful, um, it's Eldon James makes this um, this flexible tubing mm-hmm. that's amazing for cleaning, um, and we use that on our jumper lines now. It's malleable enough that we can use that on the jumper lines that go to the keg, so you can still you know, arrange your walk-in in all sorts of configurations, but oh. you don't have to do that with vinyl anymore, which Whoa. is something that doesn't doesn't walk clean very well. So we've we've done that in Great Atlantic, and now we just changed the jumper lines out of our entire group to use this Elton James um, silver tubing. It's called. Everybody should use that. Um, so you know, there's just like really really cool new things that we've been able to um, to bring in. But you know, we have two Cascales. We have. I was uh, going to ask if you were still doing Cascales. Yeah, I'm still still committed to that, even though most people th- thought they thought it was really funny that we were doing that in New York because it's not cool anymore to do real ale. It. Uh, no, cask should still be cool for sure. Oh, I know what well, we think is cool. We still we have five on cask every day at, at Church Key. So anytime I come here, I'm always thing, getting yeah, cask. Totally. Oh, bluebird bitter. Yes. And that's another thing to think about too. When we think about it all the time, why are we building bars? Generally, why are we building beer bars? More specifically, what can we offer the guests that they can't get at their house? The game has changed. Ten years ago, I was offering the guests craft beer that you could not buy on the store shelves. You could not waltz into your brewery that's, you know, within a mile of your house, everywhere in the country now, and pick up four packs of fresh, often delicious, not always, but often delicious beer to Mm -hmm. drink at your house, right? That game has changed. So why are we doing a beer bar? And that's what I think to myself. Like, I think a lot of beer bars that just happen to have a lot of beers, but they're being served at 37 degrees, um, you know, not really cared for as well as they should, maybe not using cool glassware. They wonder why their sales are declining, and that's because you're not giving the guest a good reason to come and drink at your bar versus another bar, A, and B, to drink at your bar rather than to just drink good craft beer that they can get anywhere and drink at their house. So one of the things I always hang my hat on is temp control, obviously. Mm-hmm. like I can make sure that Hellas Lagers are served to you at 42 degrees, um, hazy IPAs are coming out at 48, and that barrel aged imperial stout is coming out at 54 degrees. It's very hard to do that at your house in, with that precision. Yeah. Especially for draft beer, when it had that selection. But the other one is cask ale. Like, nobody I know of in the US anymore has a firkin on tap at their house. So, like, that's hey, something. That's the dream, man. <laughs> amazing, right? Well, you have to be an alcoholic to, to get through it fast <laughs> enough or just have a huge family of over 21 year olds. But, like, that is the dream. Um, so, until then, you come out and drink in here, and, like, you get textures and flavors you cannot get through other dispensed methods and that's been a big thing for me at Grand Alancy and thinking about these things I'm like why are you coming to Grand Alancy to drink beer because I can I think I can take a style of beer and make sure it's served to you not just in the perfect glass or at the perfect temp mm-hmm. or with a great um, narrative provided by the, the staff or myself but I can also make sure that the textures we're creating for that style are correct Side pull lagers, great example. If you pour um, a, a, a Pilsner through a standard flow control faucet at 42 degrees, which is what we do for five of our 42 degree lines, it's gonna be good. But if you pour it through a side pull, it's gonna have 
it, that, that creamy, mousse-like texture of foam that contributes a new level of flavor you wouldn't get out of the bottle, the can, or just the standard keg. No, the uh, aroma is completely different. And the aroma is completely different. Yeah. And, and so like that was important for me and the same thing for real ale. When you serve a British style bitter or mild on casks and, and when it's kept properly and the cask is in good shape, the malt flavors spread themselves over your palate in a way that simply is not available to a, a bottle, even if it's bottle condition or mm-hmm. a can or a keg. It's more pinpoint, it's more direct. So that was important. And then like we have a focused bottle list. Well, first off, I'm very proud of this. We have a dozen bottles on the list that I feel like every beer bar in the country should be like required to have. So this is okay. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale bottles, 12 yeah. ounce bottle condition. I don't care if people think it's too available or it's sexy, but to me, every now and then I'm in a bar and I'm like, you know what I want right now? A Pale Ale. Yeah. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, you should be able to have that. You can get that there. But it's other things like, you know, we always have a Schlenker Law offering, so, um, Aventinas, Rochefort 10, mm-hmm. uh, DuPont Saison in the 12.7 ounce bottle with the bottle refermentation. You know, beers like that we have, and those are kind of like just standard offerings that I believe that we should always have on hand or call. Yeah. Um, but then we have like 50 bottles of like, you know, reserve beers that are harder to get, that age well. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, some of these are refermented in bottle and they provide a texture that you just aren't going to get from draft, from can. Or, or from cask or anything else. So um, that was a big thing for me is like, you know, I think we've long talked about taste and certainly aroma, but texture hasn't gotten quite the same consideration. And I think with Grand Delancey, we're, we're uh, really focusing on that and showcasing that in a way that I don't think anybody's really done before. Nice. So something that you've also mastered is kind of getting the ungettable as far as beers go. Um, but something else that you also do with your beer list is you happen to find these cool little producers that aren't really a name mm-hmm. and you kind of shine a spotlight on them. For yeah, example, that's, that's like cool. Tired Hands was one of the breweries that you definitely, you know, brought into D.C. and, you know, now it's a little more ubiquitous. Yeah, yeah. But um, is there a brewery that you've kind of wanted to do that with or if there's if there's one in that area because I'm sure you're yeah, trying sure. to kind of embrace that New yeah. York and I mean you're talking about you're right near not right near but you're near like Buffalo Syracuse mm-hmm. Rochester that's like so there's lots of them yeah. there's tons of stuff it's that's a great great question and there's so much to talk about because it's like are you, you know are we trying to break out the newest hazy brewer or the classic brewer you know it's mm-hmm. but Tired Hands is a great example I you know Gene uh, Broyer has been a good buddy of mine for a long time I was going up to their cafe when they, just the little tiny brewing system yeah. begging him to send me beer back then and he did and then as they've grown they've grown with us we get more of their beer now and we, we have it on draft at Grand Delancey in, in the city we have some on draft here uh, in DC um, but it, that's been really fun it's like finding I remember we actually main beer company um, one of the best American brewers by far they I had their beer in Maine I don't even remember the year and was just like, whoa, something, this is special. And contacted the brewery and was like, hey, you know, could you send some beer to DC? Explain how DC is special because you, you can go direct and everything, mm-hmm. direct to um, the retailer. And Dan Cleveland, another good bud, he was like, okay, sure, that sounds great. And so the, the best thing, I didn't even realize this at the time, they sent beer to DC before they'd ever sent it to Massachusetts. Because really? at that point it was only available in Maine. So like, yeah. he was like, this guy sounds awesome. He, he read up on us stuff and like believed in us and sent it down here. So 
that's been really fun. And then and then I think other people might be like, oh, but then they got big. It's like that's the best one. They I love. Then they that everybody gets to drink their beer. They deserve to get yeah. bigger. They deserve to be drank by a lot of people. So that's been really fun. Um, and I think more people need to appreciate beer, like Main Beer Company, and it's simplicity. That's, that's the next thing that I was going to yeah. say. Exactly. So simple, restrained, refined, but by no means um, uncompli- uncomplicated or um, beers lacking in complexity. Beers like Peeper, incredible lunch, still dinner. All these beers um, are just uh, beautiful. And that's been the other thing. It's like... Trying to find those brewers mm-hmm. and bring them to the, to, to to more people, because um, you know I, uh, hazy IPAs. I would be interesting to see where that's all headed. Now it's kind of like fashion; like it's really fashionable until everybody's doing it, and then you have to look for something that nobody's doing. You know, like yeah. like with fashion, like bell bottoms will one day come back because Hopefully they're becoming. Right. I know, we but, can't go back <laughs> to that again. but you know, like this <laughs> comes in these cycles, and so eventually hazy IPA is going to be old news, and what's going to be next? But um, so you know, there's those brewers that are fun to always to find and, and bring to the map. I mean, Vitamin C Brewing Company from Weymouth, Massachusetts, my buddy Dino Fanari's brewery is like amazing. He makes really great hazy IPA, double IPA, triple IPA, and they're making a name for themselves. So we, we, we've introduced them down in DC. Um, I've been, you know, and, and really big fans of them. But then also on the other side, the side of like the classic stuff. Obviously, Dan Suarez, as far as Family Brewery, we've been bringing him in down here for a while. He's sent us beer for Snallygaster. Um, makes amazing beer and so uh, he's somebody that we've always tried to, to, to focus on and then you guys have also highlighted um, one of my favorite brewers the Hudson Valley mm-hmm. Brewing Company in, uh, in New York Just in New York. that's probably about two hours north of the city yep so that's pretty easy and their stuff's incredible obviously their fruit their, their sour IPAs are unmatched for stylistically I still think that they're just beautiful beers and so those guys but then you know Folks Beer in um, Brooklyn, Joey Peppers, the brewmaster there, and uh, his beers are phenomenal. OBL, Old Bavarian Lager, his Hellas, <clears throat> is just d- delicious. It's an incredible beer. And, you know, more, more and more people know about them in New York, mm-hmm. but they're not making his IPA. You know, even their, their, their sour beers that have fruit in it are kind of classic. They make a Berliner Weisse yeah. called Glow Up that has whole fruit in it. They're not pureed and they're not like milkshakey at all. They just taste like classic Berliner Weisse with some fruit accents, you know. So those beers are amazing. We brought them down for Snallygaster this year. So, and we're trying to get them to send more beer down to Church Key and our other spots because I just think their beers are amazing. But this is to say also that imports somehow have gone away at a lot of craft beer places. Not ours, obviously. We remain steadfast in our commitment to believing mm-hmm. that a lot of non-American brewers, a lot of non-American brewers, make beers that no one in America is making or, or can or make. Or can make. Yes. Been making. There's some of these producers that have been making for hundreds of years. Yes. You can't compete with that. Or even brand new ones, comparatively so, like like De La Seine, who mm-hmm. should be on every beer list around because the beers are extraordinary and exceptional and singular. There's nothing you like that. You get a De La Seine at Sovereign, like fresh Fresh Dale Sun at Sovereign. It's the greatest feeling Amazing. in the world. Yeah. And with the direct shipping, too, we're able to offer it at a really great price, which is phenomenal. Um, you know, so I think, so as far as those breweries go, um, uh, the, the brewery Schönraum from, uh, uh, from, from Germany uh, make probably the best lagers in, in Germany. And uh, Eric Toft is actually a guy from Wyoming who's the brewmaster there. And he is... Uh, unbelievable the beers he makes are just 
spectacular. He's one of Yvonne de Batz's brewing heroes from De La Seine. Oh uh, and he's basically, you know, he's a young guy, he's American guy, brewing ridiculous um, beers in, in, in Germany. His attention to detail when it comes to ingredients is crazy. His relationship with his hop farmers is spectacular. He has, he just sources and utilizes the, the best Tetanang and uh, Hallertauer, Mittelfru hops and tradition and select and stuff like that, like just better than anybody else. So anyways, I found the importer um, from um, Uplifter Spirits, I believe, from uh, California that's been bringing them in very small amounts. So we're going to start seeing them in D.C. Uh, starting in January and wow. things like that. So the, that's what I get excited about. It's like suddenly we're going to have Schoenram Pills here and, 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 and the Hellas and, and other beers from them. Um, you know. So you, you had mentioned direct imports a couple times, mm-hmm. and we have that luxury in D.C., mm-hmm. um, and that's definitely been a huge help for a lot of the beer lists that yeah. you all have. It, you can't do that in New York City. Nope. Have you run into any issues with like pricing or? Yeah, kind of? no, I would say I would. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you said that because the only I think a lot of people are always like, oh man, well if I had a bar in DC, it would be you know amazing too because I can just get your hands on anything. So just to recap for listeners, like in in the rest of the country, there's a there's a three tier system at all times, meaning that a producer must sell to a distributor who then sells to a retailer. Um, clearly, that adds pricing because the the wholesaler, the distributor, has to uh, make some money too. Um, so yeah, so beer get, gotten through those means will be a little bit more expensive, but also it means that you know less beer is available because not every distributor wants to take every beer that everybody wants to make, and, and some distributors have rules about how much beer they need or how many different SKUs they want to allow and stuff like that. So it's, it is limiting the three tier system for sure. That said, I would never have a church key with, or you know, there wouldn't be beer bars with more than fifteen beers without distributors because like you could not simply take shipments of one case at a time or one keg at a time from every brewer around the world. So they're, they're necessary for sure. Um, but in DC, if a, uh, a brewery is not um, represented by a local distributor, you have the option to buy direct. And that's the other thing people are like, well then, I'll, oh my God, I'll buy direct. Well, the first thing is nowadays, if you find a rare a brewery that has really rare beers that people want, they're going to be selling it at their brewery direct to people. So it's not like the old days where like breweries had like excess capacity because they couldn't sell as much, you know, laws have changed across the U S self-distribute. I'm sorry, direct to consumer sales is pretty much the law of the land now. And so there's less rare beer available for bars than there used to be. And even if you wanted to get it, unless you can bring in a, a large enough amount, the freight cost, which distributors typically take care of, will be more than what your distributor markup would have been. So a lot of times it could seem like just silly to go that route. Um, that's why it's great for us, neighborhood restaurant group, we've expanded enough in the city that when we bring in direct shipments, we can distribute them around. So we can buy in bulk, mm-hmm. keep the price down. So that's been helpful. But I will say, in New York, a lot of bre- uh, people, brewers are enamored with New York. They're like, they love New York. So a lot of beers come through New York. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're hosting an event uh, this coming Monday, not, not this Monday, but the following Monday, the 16th, I think, uh, where we're going to be featuring Bunkish beers on draft at the Grand Alancey. Wow. That wasn't a direct shipment thing at all. They went through a distributor, you know, and just kind of popped up. So it's the selection thing is not as much what it is. It's pricing. Mm-hmm. So that's been a, a thing that's been a little bit tough. We are able to offer amazing pricing in D.C. And honestly, I think people need to think about that. When you come to Church Key, like, you're getting 
great beers from all over the planet at a really good price. Same with Sovereign. Like, yeah. you know, we, we charge seven I mean, bucks for Terraspolva. The prices are, are so low. I, you know, I, I brought someone recently to Sovereign who isn't super familiar with beer. And like, I was like, this is as close to the price at the brewery as you can get yeah. in Belgium. Right, exactly. And you so know? that's the thing. And so what's funny, though, is like, and now going to New York, it's been crazy because like New York prices are, are, it's high. Like I've seen some beer prices. I'm like, whoa, not not the cost of the keg necessarily, but like the prices you see at the bars. Yeah. But yeah, so that's been that's been a thing where we've had to make some decisions. But at the end of the day, another thing I think a lot of beer bars have to think about is blended pricing. Think it through. You don't have to charge. You don't have to make the same percentage off of every single beer you you serve. That kind of thinking is what makes Birificio Italiano Tipo Pills one of the greatest lagers available. Uh, from uh, it's a dry hopped uh, pills. It's unbelievable. I've seen that like served in eight ounce glasses for ten dollars. Yes. And I'm like, that is wrong. No one should be drinking a pilsner in an eight ounce glass. It has to be served in a pint. So now, if you're a bar that insists on doing the profit margin thing like that, then you should not serve that beer. But what I do is say, listen, if I want to serve that beer, which I do because it's amazing and I want people to taste it, you have to experience a Pilsner in 16 ounces. You know what I mean? So I just make less money off it. I charge nine bucks for it and take a bath. Yeah. But you can make a little bit more on some of your other beers and make up for it. You know what I mean? Or not. The other thing I want to say about that too is Cascale. So... You know, like, Cascale. What I've realized a long time ago is, as much as we love Cascale, not everybody mm-hmm. does. So we will sometimes not get through a full cask before it turns. Yeah. And then we dump it. And I said, well, wait a minute. Rather than that, I'll just adjust the, the price on it to make it even more uh, affordable, accessible, exciting. Yeah. So that I'd rather make less money off of the full cask than to make more money off of two-thirds of it and dump the last third. But at least somebody should drink it while it's fresh. And so that's what we've really cut down our prices on on real ale. And even in New York, we're offering 20-ounce pints of real ale uh, at 8 or $9. No way. Yeah, but again, the thing is, some people will be like, oh, my God, it's crazy. It's like, listen, the blending cost, uh, cast beer is like 10% of, the, of my yeah, draft sales. Yeah, no, no, so I know. Like, no, I, mean, I don't you, need to. You, you know? can make up for it exactly. easy, but like, that's just, I mean, that's people such don't a, think like that. that's such a great... And, that's what you, for people. and I think it's just people have like pride about it. They're like, oh, well, I shouldn't have. It's like, no, no. If you want to get people to drink Cascale, you have to meet them in the middle. And I think that that's one of the ways to do it. So Yeah. So um, aside from New York, you guys are just chilling, right? Nothing else going yeah, on we, we at all. Yeah, we hit the brakes. You're like, like, oh, we're a neighborhood restaurant group. We're going to open this one restaurant, wait a couple of years, you know, right? Well, actually, that's what's funny. I was just talking to Michael Babin, who's um, the founder of our, of our group. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the, the CEO, he, you know, we were talking about this today because we were like, you know, every time we open a new bar, it's like we're shocked by how hard it is. We feel like we've done it 20 times. It should be getting easier and it's not. But the Grand Lancy, you know, was even more shocking because, believe it or not, we haven't opened something in, in a while. It's been three years um, since we had like a spurt of openings. Uh, we opened like five. Uh, and that was actually the first year that Tim Liu, our assistant, Beer director joined the group first Who or I've second year. I've desperately been trying to get on the show for two years uh, now, and really? he consistently refuses. He's downstairs. I should have grabbed him. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he like it was the like when he first started. That's when we opened all those places, and he was like, it was a whirlwind then. And I think he kind of forgot like what it was like, and I as did I. And so it's yeah. been weird. But anyways, yes, you're right. We are back on the on schedule now, and so uh, we open um, the uh, so Grand Lancy now. 
and then we have a couple others already uh, in the work. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Roost, which is going to be our small food hall with a bunch of uh, bars and, and food projects over on 14th and P, or in Pennsylvania, in Southeast, uh, southeast okay. in D.C., yep. Yep, coming up. And that's that's going to be fun, too. Uh, you know, again, trying to always do new and interesting things. The beer bar there is called Shelter. It'll be a church key-esque beer bar with all the bells and whistles, yeah. all the service things. But at least half of the list will be um, in, under 5% alcohol. So, like, oh. out of the 50 drafts, at least 25 will be under 5%. And I'm trying to get as many as I can under 4%. Wow. Um, yeah, to try to push this idea of drinking um, session beers responsibly. Yeah. Um, because I think that, you know, uh, and a lot of people don't actually do that as much as they, they, they would if they could, if it was more available. Yeah. And, you know, and, and just to get off on a little bit of a tangent, I have to say, this whole... Um, hard seltzer thing it's like driving me crazy because I just can't believe how much people conflate healthy living with alcohol um, drinking because alcohol is the opposite of health yeah. it's a poison so you know drink it in moderation but it's just crazy that people are like I want to be able to like drink and be healthy and just don't do that um, all that said people don't realize it's like a low ABV beer that's dry is low in carbs and, and calories yeah. so yes I will fully admit that a 16-ounce can of double IPA mm-hmm. is going to have 350 calories and have, like, 25 carbs, and that that is something that we should be wary of. However, a 16-ounce pour of Terrace Bulba from De La San Bone Dry 4.2% alcohol beer mm-hmm. is going to have 120 calories, maybe 110, and only, like, 10 carbs, maybe 12. Yeah. Which is pretty close to what Mick Ultra is. Yeah, very close. Mick Ultra is, like, 64... Uh, calories or something like that and then and like, like nine nine carbs, carbs or right. something so not bad you know like rather do the terrace bowl that's right and that's the thing so instead of having to just drink like your zero calorie zero carb um truly or white Bonham claw or whatever it is and those they don't i mean they're 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 not complexly flavored ex- flavor experiences by any means they're they're just a way to shock your system with a little bit of inebriation and it goes down pretty easy and again in a quote-unquote healthy way i think like for abv or for shelter it's gonna be great to be like no you come on in drink a three and a half percent cascale and be able to walk have a day um and not actually get the carbs and calories that people think they're drinking getting every time they drink any beer um, I think that's been a misnomer. Like it's either you're drinking beer and you're gonna get you're gonna get obese, or you're drinking light beer or hard seltzers and you're gonna stay real thin. It's like, well, no, we can meet you in the middle a little bit. So. Yeah. Um, but that's coming up next, and then um, we are partnering with the Vale in Richmond on a food hall, which will nice. be right afterwards. So that'll be awesome. Yeah. So this has been a really big year for you mm-hmm. and for Neighborhood Restaurant Group. Mm-hmm. What are you excited about for beer in 2020? Well, I've already answered uh, some of that because I'm excited to um, I'm excited to see. I know this is going to sound maybe trite at this point because people have been talking about it, but there does appear to be maybe I'm fantasizing. There there appears to be a uh, a bit of cycling going on, and um, people are definitely getting interested in classic styles again. Mm-hmm. They're turning not just towards hazy IPAs, fruited sours, and pastry stouts let's make doppelbach great again right exactly <laughs> but people like i know but there's was like lager 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 listen lager is amazing when it's good there's a lot of bad lager out there there sure is it's like really really bad i mean 
the thing that it gets me most of all is the ferrous sulfate, which is a metallic character that you get in oxidized lager, and I get it in nearly any, every lager I have, many of which made by well-known craft brewers um, that are lauded for other styles they make. But um, anyways, the reason why I think lager has you know, been the first thing to happen isn't because people are turning back to classic styles, it's because people like to drink light, refreshing lager mm-hmm. like they've been doing that with Stella and Corona and you know so why not do it with craft I mean that makes sense it's great I'm happy that continues to happen what I'm talking about is there is a renewed interest in robust porter yeah. and, and, and and Doppelbach like mm-hmm. I, people are interested in that I think that, and along with this comes a renewed interest in drinking the same beer more than once yeah. um which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, you're, you can you're have... You're not know, really collecting it like Pokemon anymore. Right, exactly. You're saying, oh, I like this during this time of the year, and I like yeah. this with this kind of food, and exactly, exactly. I like to and drink And it's okay this. to have it again yeah. and again. It's okay to have a full case of beer in your house that you drink, um, like Sierra Nevada Celebration right now, you know? And like, and, and that's been fun to see that, that, that happening. I think that's going to continue, hopefully, to happen. Um, but I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I said earlier, I'm excited about Real Ale um, in 2020. I, I may, maybe I'm the only one. I don't think a bunch of bars are going to start doing it. It takes a lot of time, effort, and it makes you zero money. Yeah. But I absolutely love it. We are committed to it across our group. I mean, we have 5, 10, um, 12, 14, 15, 16 real ale engines in the D.C. area. And two in New York. We'll have two more at um, at, at Shelter. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm pumped about that. And again, to pour... British style beers too, not American IPAs or something. You know what I mean? I want to pour yeah. Fine Ales Yarl, which is a 3.8% blonde ale with Citra. It's incredible, whole cone Citra. And they're wanna, out of Scotland. That's from Scotland, right? I was just visited there a couple weeks ago. And then um, I want to I want to pour you know more beer company. My buddy Justin Hawkesbury from Bristol, England. I want to pour everything he has. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to pour Harvey's Sussex Bitter, which I I'm told is coming back on cask for the first time in the U.S. since 2014, so in in the new year. So that's really exciting. And then I want to pour good lager, not just lager. I've already mentioned Suarez and Folksbeer, mm-hmm. Schönram. Uh, Munksumbacher uh, lager, which we're able to start getting now. Lagers from Genstaller in Franconia. Uh, there's just, you know, hopefully some of the hopefully some of the, the Czech lagers will continue to come over, mm-hmm. um, and you know, maybe be a little bit more consistent. The uh, the diacetyl character can be a little bit um, uh, wide ranging in some of the Czech lagers, but you know, it's just wonderful to be able to get beers from uh, Nasamavia and. Uh, uh, Unititsky and Hostemiche and all these other guys. So, I'm, I'm you know, I'm excited about uh, imported beer, uh, as always. Now, with the holidays coming up, I have to ask you a cliche question. There's, um, there's certain beers that people like to drink, you know, throughout the year and, like, different traditions and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Do you have a beer, like, over Christmas or something that you, you always kind of seek out or you always kind of want to, or, or ring I'm in the so new year? so boring. I already said it. Celebration. I feel like I'm answering the questions before that No, happened. you're all good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I mean. Sierra Nevada Celebration Ale is It's the only is holiday awesome. beer I think about. Honestly, it. it's crazy. I, I mean, that's what I drank um, for, uh, well, Basically, what I've been drinking this holiday season is um, since, you know, beginning of November, mm-hmm. so when Celebration comes out, um, late October, is a Celebration Ale and um, Springbank uh, Single Malt 10-year, or sometimes the 12-year cast strength from, from Scotland. It's one of my favorite liquids in the world. I think it's one of the greatest distilleries in the world. I was also lucky enough to visit there recently. Um, so I've been drinking a lot of that. But um, I think other holiday beers I 
love to drink. Um, there's nothing like the experience of like just of that first goblet of Belgian strong dark ale in the yeah. holiday season, like St. Bernard's Christmas ale or something like that. I always that. seek out Dodol. Um, Dodol still in Oct, right? Yeah. And you know, like there's a, some, there's actually some limited bottles of still in Oct, uh, Reserva, um, bouncing around, which is the barrel age version of still in Oct, which is mm-hmm. amazing. It's still not so cool too, because it's strong, but it's blonde in color. It's not blonde amber. It's not super dark. Yeah. Everything they make is so, um, so good. We have, um, you know, some Tirier Beer de Noel, if you can find that, it's incredible for like a darker, for Northern French Saison style. Um, unfortunately, Mars Christmas Bach is not in the US this year. So what I've found is there's definitely been, again, with the imports not being as important as it used to be and craft changing a lot. Importers used to make their money on the holiday season. They just bring in all these imports for the holidays. It's so like crazy. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen as much anymore, so they've been pulling back. And also, for whatever reason, it seems like the release schedules, be, oh, because the American export market for holiday beers has become less important. I think in the old days, a lot of these producers overseas in Belgium, Germany, etc., England, moved their production schedules up to be able to get the American importers their holiday beers in October. Yeah. Uh, which means they're brewing in you know spring, early summer. I think now, which is probably too early for them over there. As that market has declined a bit in the U.S., I think they've shifted their schedules. And so I think the Mars Christmas Bach, which is an incredible German-style strong dark lager for the holidays, is brewed uh, later and doesn't come out until, like, late November. Yeah. So I think the the Shelton Brothers, the importers, is like, by the time we get it here, it's too late. So... Americans, you've ruined this as well for us. We can't get <laughs> these beers anymore. But yeah, so um, it's uh, kind of an interesting thing to um, to see. But yeah, I mean, there's there's no there's no shortage of American uh, of amazing um, uh, holiday beers out there, and hopefully people continue to drink them. And once we get past Sierra Nevada celebration, mm-hmm. we'll have Bigfoot coming out in late January, early February, so we can just keep yeah. the Sierra Nevada train rolling. Just keep that Sierra Nevada train rolling. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're incredibly busy. Um, and if you're ever up in New York on the Lower East Side, check out the Grand Delancey. And when uh, Shelter opens up in um, uh, D.C., which do you have a tentative on that? or uh, Early next year, actually. Early next year? Okay, great. So... You know, more exciting stuff from Neighborhood Restaurant Group. And uh, Greg, it's always always a pleasure. Thanks, Sarah Jane. <laughs> uh, listen in on Full Service Radio, Beer Me, typically recorded at the Line Hotel in Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. Today, recorded at Church Key uh, on 14th Street in Washington, D.C. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers.